This episode is brought to you by Mountain Sea Media. I spent half my life near the Pacific Ocean and the other half in the mountains of Central Oregon. These places are full of profound stories and experiences that guide my life, even now as a media creator and a beer professional. This is how Mountain Sea Media was born. I realized how impactful stories are to our lives and business. Stories share good experiences and the warmth of friends. They improve business by sharing these experiences and connecting deeply with our customers. If you'd like to connect better with your customers through copywriting and storytelling, contact me at jeremy at mountainseamedia.com. It's your story. I'll help you tell it. Welcome to episode 34 of Good Beer Matters. Beer doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all. That there's so much more happening uh, because of beer, but outside of the glass of beer itself. The only way that we can all be better drinkers is to have, uh, you know, a good base level of knowledge. Yeah, I get to travel the world and travel the country and drink good beer and hang out with good people. And like I say, it's kind of a charmed life. Beer writers have the semi-glamorous and sometimes inglorious honor of traveling to various places to taste a lot of really good and really bad beer. This is all to inform and entertain the rest of us. They're responsible for mundane beer reviews, technical essays on the next industry-changing gadget, as well as inspiring stories of travel, adventure, and flavor. But every once in a while, a beer writer takes a swig and then puts pen to paper, which truly opens the reader's worldview. My next guest is a beer writer, editor, and podcast host who not only informs his readers, but takes them on a journey through the experiences and the philosophical realm of what beer can be. In this episode, he explores the what and the why of beer, and even discusses the three most dangerous words found in beer writing. My name is Jeremy. I'm a certified Cicerone, BJCP judge, IBD certified brewer, and a beer writer. I believe the art, the science, and the culture of beer has more of a profound effect on us than we realize. I believe there's a world of wisdom found in every glass, and I intend to get to the bottom of it. This is Good Beer Matters. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. I hope you enjoy episode 34 of Good Beer Matters with author, editor, and podcast host, John Hall. kind of hard to uh, keep track sometimes um, since I just had breakfast so it's all good <laughs> it's all good H- how are you doing uh, really well you know just uh, we're closing out the magazine today so it's the last uh, uh, you know last home stretch of getting coverage together and uh, you know some, uh, some, some uh, final articles and stuff but uh, aside from that yeah no everything's good so how we, about with you uh, well everything's good I'm sorry let me uh, back up you made a comment you're closing up a magazine meaning you're finishing up uh, an issue an issue okay not not like another one bites the dust type of closing up a magazine no nothing like that okay good <laughs> I've, I've heard uh, I've, uh, too many stories of that happening and it makes me a bit sad to be honest but yeah no I'm with you on that John Hall, thank you very much for coming on to my Good Beer Matters podcast. Um, it's re- really, really great to have you. It's great to be here. Thanks so much, and uh, I dig dig the premise because good beer does matter. I, well, I, I thought of all people, you would be right there with me. In fact, uh, uh, you and I both have a similar, um, uh, I don't want to say tagline or something, but we... Uh, with uh, with some of the stuff that you that you've written, uh, you talk about getting to the bottom of each pint, and I I I kind of have that too. And uh, you know, the whole reason behind that is, and I tell this to people all the time, is that you know, a a glass of beer is a wonderful thing, but but beer is so much more than just that simple glass of beer. That it it I tell people it's like uh, Neo in the Matrix or Alice in Wonderland. You stick your head down the rabbit hole, and it just gets larger and larger and larger the deeper you go. 
Uh, that's absolutely true. Yeah, it's uh, and it, it, it's fun to explore. And, you know, it, it opens up so many new avenues, not just, you know, flavors, but, uh, you know, the people that you meet and the new experiences that you're exposed to or the places that you get to go and travel to. It's uh, it's it, it really is just it's a fun, dynamic beverage. And uh, as a journalist who's been covering this industry for gosh, 15 years now. Uh, it's, uh, I, I feel really fortunate to, to do what I do. Well, and, and um, we're definitely going to dive into that. That's uh, a, a large reason why I wanted to talk to you specifically. Um, but, you know, but you have written books. You are senior editor of Craft Beer and Brewing. Um, you've been writing about, um, well, you've been writing for pretty much your entire career, to my knowledge, and in the past, yeah. uh, in the past, uh, uh, I want to say decade or so from what my research has been uh, pretty much about beer. Will you give us a background of your uh, your history in the beer world? Sure. Uh, it, it started off, I, I think my first beer article was something back in 2003 or thereabouts. And, uh, you know, it's funny going back and looking at that recently because I was using terms like, you know, microbreweries. And, <laughs> uh, you know, nobody had ever heard of a hazy IPA. You know, that wasn't... Uh, uh, a flaw at that point, and uh, you know, I think I, I I made reference to something like you know the of the 800 breweries operating in the country, and everything seems so much so much more quaint back then, as it, as it were, uh, compared with today. Uh, but you know, from there, I started uh, writing. A, a, I did a few books, and then I was asked in 2013 to become the editor of All About Beer magazine, which was a great honor. Uh, that magazine was founded in 1979, and uh, I stayed there for five years and uh, unfortunately had to leave because the, the guy who came in and, uh, and, and bought the company just ran it into the ground. And, uh, and unfortunately, uh, uh, the magazine is no more. He filed for bankruptcy uh, earlier this year. Oh, um, but, uh, you know, during that time, I wrote a few other books, and now I'm over at Craft Beer and Brewing magazine, which is thankfully doing really well, uh, you know, because people do like uh, beer media, and they like to support beer media, and so I've been uh, I've been fortunate to to be here for the last two years, and yeah, I get to travel the world and travel the country and drink good beer and hang out with good people, and it's uh, like I say, it's kind of a charmed life. Well, uh, yeah, you uh, you you seem like you have a charmed life. I you know look at your uh, Instagram page, and 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 almost all of it is just about wonderful beer or something about the beer world. Um, oh yeah, but you know don't don't ever judge somebody based on their Instagram page. I mean that is that is exactly what I want you to see. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I remember years ago when um, uh, the American Craft Beer Cookbook came out. And I was on a book tour for, God, I don't know, eight months or so. And uh, I was home in, in between. But uh, there was one morning that I was in Seattle, and I had judged a, a beer competition the night before, and there had been a like a fancy food show or something in town that I had gone to to sign some books. And uh, the next morning I had to be up uh, to work on the magazine, but then also uh, to do a radio interview with a, with a station in Virginia. So I think I was up at something like five o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting in this La Quinta Inn where I can't open up the windows because on the other side of the window is another building that uh, it was an office building where people could see into the room <laughs> and I'm, I'm in my pajamas and I'm hungover and I'm eating olives out of a bag that uh, um, I got from the fancy food show the night before and, and I'm on the phone with the, with the radio station in Virginia and they're saying to me, uh, Boy, you know, your job is so glamorous, and who has it better than you? And I said, my God, like, if you could see me right now uh, yeah. in this disheveled state eating olives out of a bag, uh, you would sing a different tune. So so that's what I mean when it comes to the Instagram stuff. It's a lot of fun, but uh, don't ever believe that uh, anybody's life is, is, is that cool. Well, and, no, and, Certainly and, not mine. And, and I feel like I have a glimpse into that world uh, just with a lot of the stuff that I do, and and while I don't believe that you were uh, crushing Coors Banquet and Corn Dogs uh, when you're not on Instagram, uh, you still have had the opportunity to uh, travel to and taste some, um, or travel to extraordinary countries and taste some extraordinary beer. So um, I, I, I'd, I'd like to think that uh, your Instagram page is just a uh, just a highlight reel of some of the cool things you sure. got to do, right? Absolutely. And uh, I was just drinking banquet the other night, actually. Uh, I had some of it here at the house, and uh, 
uh, we were sitting on the back patio and knocking them back. So it's a, it's a fine beer. It's a fun beer. You know, it's funny. I, I've uh, recently been sitting with a friend, a, 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 a level four master beer judge, and just really diving into the beer styles in more depth and, and just to really up my beer style game. Um, and of course, we're covering uh, style uh, category one B and going over, you know, bud and course. Um, and that's uh, it was there. Oh, and consequently, we got into category two, and that's what we're getting to the um, international versions. But we were comparing the the light beers along with Coors Banquet, along with uh, Corona and Heineken, all of it from a can because we wanted to have it as best as it could be. Um, and I was really surprised. Um, uh, the, the term I'm going to choose to use this time is how inoffensive uh, the Coors Banquet was compared to the others. Um, sure. But the the grand surprise out of all of them was how smooth, how consistent, uh, and how, uh, uh, I'm going to say it on air, how delightful that Heineken was from a can. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, all of us beer snobs tend to uh, stick our pinkies out and, and our noses in the air at, uh, at some of those beers, but uh, there is a time and place. A hundred percent. And uh, fresh Heineken is really quite a marvel in the glass. And uh, you know, I've been fortunate to drink it fresh uh, at the brewery and uh, fresh at some bars uh, as well. And it's, uh, yeah, if anytime you can get a, a, your hands on some um, uh, unskunked, Heineken, you should you should be lining up for that. Oh yeah, uh, and Ed, I think my listeners may have heard this story before, but I'll I'll be brief on this one. But uh, I'm sure you've had many beer epiphanies in your time, and and I certainly have had a few. One of them was sitting on a train going from Barcelona to Madrid, and the. Uh, uh, the best uh, beer option I had available to me on this train was a Heineken. Luckily, it was out of a can, but you know they have a, um, uh, a Heineken division in Spain, so it was a fairly fresh beer, and it was marvelous. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, yeah, it was wonderful. Um, cool. Uh, I, w- I also want to uh, 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 talk about you know you you mentioned you've uh, you've written for. Uh, Newspapers and magazines and online magazines, and you've written books, uh, but you also uh, are a host of a podcast. Um, and if you read the Instagram page a little too fast, it looks like Stealth is Beer, um, but it actually it's still this beer. It is. <laughs> what, what's the premise of that? So uh, we've been doing that podcast for four years now, and it's myself and Augie Carton, who runs Carton Brewing uh, here in New Jersey, where I live. And uh, he and I would get together at the bars, and uh, you know, we'd trade beers back and forth. And uh, we, we started to realize that we were having uh, fun conversations based on uh, not just what we expected the beer to be, uh, but how it was in that particular moment. And, you know, was this the right place where we should be drinking the beer and uh, all of that. And so um, the, the premise of the show is a guest comes on, uh, and it can be a brewing guest. It can be a you know a writer. We've had we've had all sorts of folks on in the in the last four years. We've never missed a week of, of doing a new episode, and uh, uh, they bring on two beers, and we don't know what they are. Uh, myself and Augie don't know what they are, and they're served to us in black glasses, so we can't see foam, we can't see color, we can't see carbonation. So all we're really going off of is aroma and taste. And the only rule that, that we have for the brewer uh, guest is that they can't bring one of their own beers. It has to be, you know, somebody else's beer. And we've had some really fun discussions uh, based on the beers. And, and when you really don't know what something is and you really are doing something blind, uh, it can change the very nature of, of how you're perceiving a beer. There's, there's one memorable episode that, that a lot of folks uh, bring up to us uh, where we thought we were drinking a milk stout. And instead, it turned out that we were drinking a Pilsner. <laughs> and it just had this residual sweetness to it. And we could have sworn that we were just getting lactose. And, um, you know, so it, 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 it's a fun thing to do. And then we write the sentence about every beer, meaning, you know, like, where do we think that this beer would be the ideal place for us to have it? And and it's just, it's it, it's been a fun show. And uh, we have some, to, you know, a couple of regular listeners. So if, uh, if anybody hasn't heard it before and they want to check in on us, it's, uh, yeah, it's steal this beer. So um, it's a lot of fun to do. It's a, it's humor. It's a very humorous show as well as kind of enlightening. It, it just kind of, it's interesting to see that process. But of course, there's lots of banter that goes on back and forth too, which is kind of. A little bit. You know, yeah. yeah, you know, a little bit, you know. Um, but uh, 
but it, that's an interesting premise about, um, you know, one of the concepts that I've uh, spoken about is about, um, you know, people talk about terroir, especially with wine, but in, in part with beer as well. Um, but I, I find that there's a uh, concept called internal terroir, and I think you guys are are uh, heavy into that by by um, closing off uh, the, the majority of your senses and relying on uh, aroma and taste only, that, mm-hmm. that, that kind of forces you... Um, you know, it, it kind of uh, it forces you to interpret the situation outside of out of context, and and yeah. so that's how you can get okay. I've got residual sweetness. Is that a stout? No, it's actually a pilsner. I was way off, um, but just having those uh, contextual clues, uh, having um, it, it just goes to show how important your your internal internal mindset is, as well as the clues of uh, visual. Um, uh, and just kind of an understanding of the beer. And I think that speaks to the more you understand, the more you are aware of it, the greater the experience can become. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, uh, well, one last question, too, about that Steal This Beer. Who Who is that uh, podcast geared toward? I mean, who is your uh, ideal audience when you, when you put that out? Oh, uh, unemployed day drinkers. Unemployed day drinkers. Love it. Okay. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't try to put uh, things like that into buckets. Uh, okay. I, I think that if uh, you're interested in beer, uh, you know, we have folks who are interested in flavor or sensory. Um, you know, I, I, we just, you know, try to have a good time with it. And so, um, you know, it's, it's the same way that you can watch a TV show, you know, like a cooking show, and you can have all sorts of different backgrounds. Um, you know, I don't think we're trying to appeal to any one set of people. Um, it's do you like beer? Are you interested in this concept? Cool. We're here for you. If not, like, cool. Like, we'll be here if you change your mind. So it's kind of like a daytime talk show, but this time it's with uh, uh, knowledgeable beer folk talking about beer. Sure. Great. Um, uh, will you tell us a little bit about uh, craft beer in brewing? I know that uh, that has... Uh, it's a uh, online and, and published uh, publication of some note. Uh, will you tell us a little bit about uh, about craft beer and brewing? Sure. Uh, it's a magazine comes out every two months, and we're updating on the website daily. And uh, it's all about uh, the, sort of the cross section between being a beer enthusiast, a home brewer, and a professional brewer as well. So uh, we cover uh, all, all sorts of different uh, different topics from. Uh, you know, this issue that we're working on right now is all about lagers and sours. Um, and so sort of going a little bit deeper and how can we all be better drinkers and, you know, what should we be looking for? Um, uh, you know, when we're exploring, uh, recipes and flavors and everything else in between. And sometimes there's some travel stuff in there and some food things mixed in. And, uh, yeah, overall, it's just, it's, uh, for, uh, beer enthusiasts, for, for people who like to make and drink great beer. Yeah, and and you know from uh, looking through the website, of course, I mean it seems, you know when 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 people always say you know this is good for beginners and experts alike, you always get a little skeptical because how could it be? But Craft Beard Brewing seems to be that publication where it'll talk a little bit about um, you basically beer perspectives of just like understanding loggers or a little bit of. Uh, travel like you know the the um, i don't want to say fluff stories but just stories of of just of just interest but for a home brewer or a professional brewer who needs to learn a little bit more about this technique or um, i want to get into you know uh, uh, cask ales for example uh you know that seems to be a resource for those experts as well so uh, do you guys intentionally try to appeal to the the beer interested to the beer professional I think so, yeah, because uh, the, the the beer professionals are always still trying to learn as well, you know, and they like having the conversations with, um, uh, you know, with other brewers. And so we sort of take the guesswork out of that sometimes on certain topics by going right to knowledgeable brewers and asking them hopefully smart questions and, and getting some good answers out of them. And then when we, when we do that, uh, yeah, the pro brewers, uh, they seem to enjoy our coverage. And, and so this this is just basically a just a, a place to go for additional higher and even lower learning of beer. Not not to say lower in a negative sense, but just like a, okay, here are the basics all the way up to here's the minutia. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would think so. And, um, you know, because the only way that we can all be better drinkers is to have, uh, you know, a good base level of knowledge, and then we can choose to go however much deeper, you know, we want to. Um, and so, you know, as, as a writer, I try to never assume that anybody knows, uh, you know, what we're talking about from the get-go. Uh, because there's there's always so much more, you know. There, there, there's just there's there's a lot to take in, um, and I'm always learning myself. I'm always trying to uh, expand my own horizons, but I don't always necessarily know uh, the topic that I'm writing about when I start writing about it. So I need to ask these beginner questions as well. And if I'm doing that, uh, I'm going to assume that there's folks who want to read about that as well. And then as you dive deeper and deeper and deeper, uh, yeah, there's great resources out there for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and so reading a bunch of the articles that you have written, especially uh, articles that you have uh, obviously would have edited for this uh, publication, you, you, we really get into, like we just said, you get into the technical, uh, we get into the, the tasting, we get into, and then we get into some travel pieces. One of the things I want to ask you, I know you're comfortable talking about uh, sensory, I know you're comfortable talking about uh, process uh, and ingredients, but uh, the part of part of understanding the beer world is just really diving into the romantic notion of beer travel. Um, and some of my inspirations, and I'm sure you'd be the same way, but you know, uh, reading Anthony Bourdain's book, uh, Kitchen Confidential, and even watching a show, um, I, I remember watching shows, the, the Booze Traveler, and one of my favorites on Discovery Channel back in the day was uh, Dahani uh, Tra- Tackles the Globe. Do you remember that show? I don't. And actually. so this was a he was a professional football player who during the off season would go travel around the world and he would spend uh, spend a week or two uh, in a different country where he would learn and train uh, and then at the end of the show compete in their national sport. Uh, but huh. but along the way he's he's teaching you about or showing you the the culture and the mindset. And it was it was just a fantastic very niche perspective on different cultures just by looking at through their particular sport. And, oh, cool. uh, and and it was and just the premise of it just uh, still to this day just blows my mind because I feel like we could do the exact same thing um, uh, by looking at uh, a a culture's beer. Sure. Um, yeah, but, I, yeah, I would agree with you on that. Well, and what I was hoping to hear is and I know you've traveled. I know you've gone and uh, uh, ridden about and and uh, done competition to other places. What what is the purpose of I'm sorry, not the purpose, but what is the value of of traveling to different cultures and kind of looking at a culture based upon their beer? You know, that's 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 a it's a it's a fun question to consider. Um, it's a fun question to consider. For for me, I think the world is a really big place, but it's also a very small place. And so I think for, 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 for some travelers, you know, there's this mindset of a little bit adventurous, but then also uh, a lot of comfort as well. And so, you know, the, if, you're, if you're traveling and you're taking a bus tour somewhere, you're really only seeing what people want you to see. Uh, you know, if you're going and uh, you're going on a cruise, you know, uh, are you, you're, you're going to see maybe some new countries, but you're only going to see the parts of it that are convenient to see. Um, you know, if, you, if you're traveling throughout Europe and, uh, you know, you're, you're worried about the type of, uh, uh, you're not an adventurous eater, you know, you can find a McDonald's and that tastes like home. Uh, and, and for me, that's, you know, I, I, if that's the way that somebody wants to travel, like, that's fine. That's, that's not the way that I choose to, to travel. And what I found is beer is a common language. So I can be in a, in a foreign country or I could be traveling somewhere, you know, even in the U.S., and if I go into a brewery, if I find a really good beer bar where, you know, beer is front and center, I'm going to find people who I have at least one thing in common with. And from there, I can get travel recommendations or, you know, restaurant uh, suggestions or, um, you know, have a, a better understanding of place. Because I might be the traveler who comes into this local brewery and sits down at this local beer bar and sits down. Uh, but the, for the most part, probably the people who are around me um, are locals. 
and they're just having a Tuesday afternoon or a Tuesday evening or a Saturday afternoon, whatever, you know, and it's, it's special for me, but it's ordinary for them. And it's a really cool way to experience what life is in that particular place. And so, uh, you know, travel, travel for me is a real privilege when it comes down to that, to be able to, to try to immerse myself in as uh, uh, authentic an experience as possible. And it doesn't have to be, um, you know, anything that is super memorable or, oh my gosh, it's the best night of my life or anything along those lines. Um, it, it, there, there, there's beauty in the everyday. Um, there's a lot of satisfaction that comes in the ordinary, as it were. And, you know, when you, when you consider beer in that way, it's just sort of an everyday part of life uh, for, for so many people. Um, you inserting yourself into to a different situation, yeah, that's, that's really special and it's really a lot of fun. But um, uh, I think it's, it's, for me, it's been a great way to experience various cultures uh, around the world uh, while still staying rooted in something that is uh, you know, familiar to me. And it seems very much um, you you used it. It's like uh, it's everyone speaks the same language. Uh, it seems to me that um, when traveling, e- even to different parts of our own state, our own country, but especially abroad, it seems like we are speaking the same language of beer. But everyone has their own dialect. And the interesting thing of like you mentioned, finding comfort in okay, I'm going to sit at this pub and have a beer because that's what I like to do. But to notice the different dialects of culture of, of the beer experience. Um, we may love our Coors banquet, like you and I talked about before. Meanwhile, in the Netherlands, they love their, their Heineken or, or we, we go to uh, someplace and have a Baltic Porter, for example, and it's just, and having those different experiences and seeing how the people approach their fellowship. That's, that's the part I find interesting um, just that contrast of the similarities and the and the differences. Sure. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, when when you travel, uh, and you kind of alluded to, to this before, I wanted to kind of uh, circle around this a little bit. Is um, you know anyone can go to the the usual hot spots and just be a tourist and just kind of skim over um, you know what the the Instagram of the travel world. This is what we want to show you. If you go to Barcelona, you look at the Sagrada Familia in uh, Park Güell and and go have some paella and then leave and move on to the next place. What's the value of finding those, those back, uh, back pubs, uh, where the locals go? How does that experience change from the, the, the beer tourism to the authentic cultural beer experience? You know, I, I, again, I really just think that it comes down to, you know, if everybody's all going to one place, you know, they're going to have that experience. Um, but, you know, walking off of a beaten path a little bit uh, opens up new avenues. And, you know, if you can, you know, sit in a place where you're the only one who doesn't speak the language, uh, you know, where there isn't a, a, a menu in English, uh, where there isn't, you know, uh, you know, any of the trappings and comforts of home, I, I, I think that it does make for just a, you know, a, a deeper, probably more meaningful experience, you know, one that you'll remember uh, uh, for, for, for quite a while. What have, what have been some of your favorite places that you've uh, discovered? Oh man, um, that's a that's a hard one. That's a there's, there's a it's a pretty long list. Yeah, uh, as it were. Um, you know, I really enjoyed exploring uh, the growing beer scene in Greece uh, when I was there a couple of years ago. Uh, every time I get down to South America, uh, you know, there's always uh, depending on what country I'm in, there's always just something new. Uh, to explore, and their beer scene is, is really so vibrant and really continues uh, to just grow by leaps and bounds. Um, you know, but, but, you know, it's also just a lot of fun to go back to London. I try to get there at least once a year uh, and revisiting some of my old familiar haunts uh, and then asking for recommendations on new spots as well because, you, know, you know, it's always growing and, you know, a chance to drink proper cask ale when I can find it is always uh, a welcome thing. Um, so yeah, those are those are just a few that sort of pop out in my mind right off the bat. But um, you know, I also just I, I like exploring around the U.S. I like exploring around my home state of New Jersey as well to you know see what's happening here and uh, you know remember what's happening in my backyard. You don't have to travel far for new experiences, especially when it comes to beer. Well, that's a, that's a wonderful segue. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, you know, you and I first met at a beer competition uh, in Bend, Oregon, um, and and. Uh, 
uh, and we had a brief conversation since then. Um, uh, but uh, next time you come back to this general area, I, I urge you to reach out to me. There's a new uh, real ale, cask ale only uh, uh, brewery that has opened up uh, probably 30 minutes from here. And, uh, and they, you know, I've never had cask ale in England, but from my understanding, this brewery seems absolutely legit. And I've had a few conversations with the brewer and, and, uh, he's, he's trying to do everything as legitimate as possible and even trying to get, uh, trying to get a nod from camera to, uh, uh to get, uh, be a part of that uh, thing as well. So, um, yeah, next time you're in Bend and in hop country, then I, I'd love to take you to, uh, to go have a real ale. It's hard to find. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, one of the other things I have to tell, or I have to ask you is just because I also uh, write and, and love to tell stories, but you, you're essentially a professional storyteller. And, you know, sometimes you'll get into um, uh, technical writing uh, within beer, um, but, uh, but, you know, you have a way of turning it into a story and, and keeping someone's interest. Um, what, what makes a good story? I think there's good stories everywhere. Um, and I, I, for me, when I'm looking at the beer world, I, I don't necessarily need to find what's new or what's exciting or, uh, you know, why people are lining up at, at five o'clock in the morning for, uh, for a special can release or, or anything like that. Um, you know, a good story for me really starts with, uh, talking with folks, you know, and saying, you know, so what are you working on right now? And it, it's a very simple question, um, but it, 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 wherever the person decides to go with that answer uh, is usually something that's very meaningful for them uh, and probably something that they're going to be very passionate about uh, at that given time. And so, um, you know, that, that's a fun way for me to start looking, looking around for stories and, and, and story ideas. Um, going, you know, just a, a little bit deeper, um, I, I think that, you know a good story also when you hear it. And if, if somebody says to me, you know, oh, I'm working on X, or boy, I just found this new ingredient that I'm going to try in a, in a style of beer. And if I find myself doing something just like, huh, that's interesting, you know, and it's, it's not a wow, it's just a huh. That, to me, is sort of an indication that there might be something there mm -hmm. uh, and that it's worth following down the rabbit hole uh, a, a little bit. And, and, and usually, it, uh, you know, it pays off. Not always, but, uh, but, but usually. Well, and, you know, you being a writer and, and me being a writer, uh, you know, obviously not to the, uh, the, the success and the path that you've had, but nonetheless, uh, the, I think the similarity I'm trying to draw from there is I'm willing to bet you a beer that you and I are fascinated um, by a great many things, um, just looking at things a little bit, maybe more deeply, a little bit more closely, um, and, and finding those interesting stories that make you, that make me go, huh. But there's a difference yeah. between acknowledging that and being able to retell that story to those people who aren't as fascinated about a great many things, but keeping their interest. Um, what's your take on how to recognize a story, but how do you tell the story to appeal to uh, more people? Boy, well, now we're just getting into writing theory at this point, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, uh, again, it's, it is, I don't know if there's enough time uh, for something like this, but um, yeah, I, I, I think it is, again, understanding who your audience is and what they're going to be interested in. And so for me, uh, it comes down to a lot of the time, um, you know, you don't have to be super geeky about it. And you don't have to be um, uh, uh, super inside baseball or, you know, pretending like you know more than you actually do. Uh, it can really just be a simple conversation of, you know, remember the, you know, who, what, when, why, where, and how. Uh, the, the simple writing um uh, you know, the, the, the tenets of, of, of a good story in journalism, as it were. So, um, you know, I, I think if you can find a good sense of place when you're writing, if you can paint the scene for people, if you can uh, describe flavors of beer uh, in a way that is approachable to people, uh, that they're going to leave uh, with a better sense and understanding of um, uh, the people that you're writing about. Now, the writing that I find really boring 
in beer is this first-person blogging-type navel-gazing stuff where the writer can't uh, but help but use the first person all the time. You know, I went to this brewery. I tasted this. And it's more of just, you know, trying to, to show how cool they think they are mm-hmm. um, as opposed to actually telling the story of the place where they are. Uh, that, to me, uh, isn't as valuable, uh, those stories. Um, you know, the ones where, you know, you forget that somebody wrote this and you're sort of immersed in the world of the subject at hand, uh, that to me is, is, is much more valuable. And that's a good point. Uh, I'm going to go back to uh, that show that I fell in love with, Dahani Tackles the Globe. Um, you know, here's a guy who was a professional football player, played with the Cincinnati Bengals, um, and and just became a traveler. John, you'd like him. He also had a bow tie business. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, cool. so he, he was kind of an entrepreneur on the side and, and used his um, – whatever uh, uh, renown that he had from football, he used that to his full advantage. And, 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 uh, and so the show, here's, here's this guy who's just, I mean, he's just a huge NFL football player, and, but he humbles himself uh, because, you know, there, there are episodes when he goes to Nepal and goes trekking up to uh, Everest Base Camp, and, and he said that was the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. And, of course, I played water polo back in the day, and he goes to Croatia to play water polo and, and, and just gets schooled left and right. So he doesn't, he doesn't come across as, I did this, I did that. It, it was, as you're saying, it's not about that blogger. It wasn't Dahani didn't really go in and say, look how I'm going to dominate the sport because I'm an American football player. It was just the humility of, is, I, I'm really not a part of this. I'm just a guide, but I want to show you this experience. And you said, I want to paint this picture. I want to show you, not tell you. Um, mm-hmm. that's the, w- that's the writing that I love, the shows that I love. And that's what I try and emulate in my own work, uh, to, probably to a greater or lesser degree of success, depending on who you ask. Cool. Um, but, uh, you know, that this will be another nice little segue cause you talk about, um, knowing your audience and, and showing, not telling, but you wrote, uh, a, a nice little book called drink beer and think beer. And, and I loved it because it got into the, not a tremendous minutia of detail uh, about the beer world, but it got into um, you know the, the process, ingredients. You, you talked about uh, tasting. I mean, you covered quite a gamut of things, but you also dipped into culture, um, uh, ethics, and, and you, you kind of covered a lot of ground in this book. Can you talk a little bit about uh, why you wrote that book and who you wrote it for? You know, I, I wrote it for all of us. Um, I wrote it as a reminder, you know, that, that beer is uh, an approachable beverage, uh, it's universal, um, and that, you know, uh, as much as sometimes, you know, the, the geek culture that surrounds it, especially with the craft movement these days, is, um, I don't know, maybe the most vocal, um, that it really is just a simple, humble beverage uh, in a lot of ways, and that there's, uh, you know, especially when it comes to craft, uh, craft is only about 13% of the overall beer marketplace in the mm-hmm. U.S. these days. And so, you know, there's, there's 87% of people who, you know, are still not drinking craft beer. And that's fine. Um, but I think that for a lot of those folks, it's because they find it a little intimidating. And they find it a little, uh, you know, out of reach. Or, uh, you know, they've been told that it's, you know, for a certain set of people, a younger generation or uh, you know, a discerning type and that it's, it's, it's not as approachable as say some of the, uh, the, you know, the American light loggers that have dominated the landscape in, in the last couple of years uh, or last couple of, uh, of decades, I should say. So, um, so, so I wrote this book really to, you know, remind folks of, you know, where beer is, um, and that it, beer doesn't have to be the be all end all, uh, that there's so much more happening, uh, because of beer, but outside of the glass of beer itself. And so from the way that it's marketed to us to uh, the way that it stimulates economies to the way that it brings people together to uh, all of these various things, uh, I wanted to, to, to get into that. And uh, that's, that's what I hope the book accomplishes. Well, it, well, I can't speak for everyone, but it, it accomplished that with me just from the standpoint of I, I feel the same way. Um, uh, you know, I, I feel like I, I could have written a similar book just because of the way I feel about beer. And, and of course, every every chapter you're making a point. It's like, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, you even talk about um, uh, 
uh, you even get into the ethics of of uh, women in the brewing world and the fact that you have a daughter uh, and you and you hope that that uh, things get better by the time she gets old enough. I certainly have a daughter who is dev- is developing quite a palate, especially for an 11 year old. And, and I, I think those same things that she may end up in a field where sensory is important. It may be beer, maybe food, who knows, but, but I, you know, I, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to sit back and, and just watch things happen and hope for the best. Uh, you know, I, I want to, I want to help educate people on the world and the fascination, the technique, the the education of beer, as well as the context, the the culture, and hopefully make things better by the time my daughter and your daughter come of age where they enter that culture. And, and I feel like you 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 gave us a very good glimpse of that world just with this one book. Well, thank you. I real I appreciate you saying that. Um. Uh, my my pleasure. Thank you for writing the book, and uh, I, we'll definitely have a link to it in this in the show notes on this. Um, oh, cool. But uh, you know, you spent a lot of time with beer. You spent a lot of time tasting beer and thinking about drinking beer, thinking beer. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> but um, you see what I did there. Um, but uh, after all this time, John, what still excites you about beer and the beer culture? That it's continuously evolving. Um, and that everything old is new again. Uh, and, and I know that those are two very different things, but you know, there's so much left to explore when it comes to raw ingredients and when it comes to fermentation uh, and when it comes to you know, practice uh, and, and, and execution. And, and the cool thing that, that I see from brewers all the time is, you know, here, here's something that's been done for a millennia. And here's, here's a product and a beverage that, that has just been part of the human experience. But a new brewery could open tomorrow, and a guy could be mashing in for the first time, and he might say to himself, well, I know I'm supposed to do it this way, but I wonder if dot, dot, dot. And then he goes down this new rabbit hole and maybe discovers something new and exciting. Maybe he doesn't, you know, or maybe they don't, um, you know, but, but maybe, maybe they do. And that's the cool thing is that, uh, all of the brewers are continuously trying to push the envelope. You know, they're, they're walking through markets and they're seeing, uh, you know, uh, an exotic fruit or vegetable that they that they've never seen before. They're uh, at a at a restaurant and they're and they're tasting something that is that is new to them. And now they're thinking about how they can incorporate that ingredient or those flavors into a beer uh, and do it in a way that's going to be appealing to people. Um, and, and, you know, to that nothing, you know, everything old is new again as well is that, you know, lagers never really went anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Bud Light is the best-selling beer in the country, and uh, Coors Light's number two, Miller Light's number three, Bud Heavy's number four. Lagers and Pilsners rule the beer landscape. But in the craft space, there's a lot of brewers who are starting to come back now and say, um, you know, well, let's, let's try our hand at making some of these beers, which are very, very difficult to execute well and without off flavors uh and so they're doing that and and you know we're getting more fresh flavorful local lagers uh than i think any other time in in in, in america's history right now uh, and that's a beautiful thing it's a wonderful thing because the brewers are you know not just saying okay we're going to take you know skittles or chicken parmesan sandwiches or you know marshmallow peeps or or whatever and throw it into a mash they're saying like let's just make a traditional four ingredient beer that is crystal clear and all of the ingredients work in harmony and it's just refreshing to drink pint after pint after pint after pint. Uh, and that's a really fun thing. And, and I'd like to see more of that, but, but that's what gets me excited about beer is that there is, um, there's so much left to explore and there's old ground to retread and, you know, maybe find new pathways off of, or to just, you know, walk on the, on, 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 on the paths of others. You know, I, I, I remind brewers all the time, um, uh, that, that this is a really cool industry for me to cover and it's a cool industry for, for, for them to be in. I mean, they are, they are standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, they're standing on the shoulders of, uh, brewers who created the Porter and the Stout and the Saison and the IPA and all of the various IPAs. And what will they contribute? One day when somebody stands on their shoulders, what will it be for? You know, and and that that's a it's a it's a it's a heavy thing to consider, but it's I think the brewers who who 
take that to heart, and, and there's, there's, there's quite a few, um, are really the ones who will lead the way for the next generation. And I, I think it's really fun and exciting to see all this crazy innovation. But if if we were talking about pizza, I don't you know I'm not really excited about seeing the evolution of a broccoli salmon and gouda pizza. Sometimes I just want a good old fashioned pepperoni and a and just a really good uh, British bitter or a, a good IPA. And 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 so I. I, maybe I'm just getting older, but sometimes just the the traditions, or you know, you know, it was good then, it's good now. Uh, I, I don't want that to go away, and so I, I'm encouraged to hear you and other people I've talked to say that what's old is new again. And in this brewery near where I live, bringing back a, a really true, really real ale uh, is just encouraging to see that you know it's not about this. Uh, innovation for innovation's sake. It's let's let's remember where we came from. Sometimes you want to put Led Zeppelin on the on the stereo and just rock out. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, so, given all this, uh, where do you hope and where do you see the culture of beer in the next ten, twenty years? Oh man, if I if I knew the answer to that, uh, I'd be in a different line of work. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I think that as long as people continue to innovate. Uh, as long as they don't lose the desire to innovate, uh, that's going to be a great thing for us. And I think, uh, you know, drinkers should have reasonable expectations. Uh, you know, the three, the three most dangerous words in beer, and uh, this has been told to me by uh, a guy in sales that I, that I really trust, but the three most dangerous words are uh, new, rare, and local. And, you know, uh, there's a bunch of people who will just try to chase, uh, you know, the new beers that are out there and that's all they're going to drink or the people who just try to chase the rare um, or who will only drink, you know, local beer, which is, which is fine to support your local economy, but you know, they're not getting out of uh, comfort zones uh, when it comes to any of that. So, you know, going back and remembering, you know, why Sierra Nevada pale ale was so great if you haven't had one for a while or if you've never had one um, or, you know, having the same beer uh, two rounds in a row, is you know it's pretty crazy. You don't always have to have a new beer uh, every time you go to a to a beer bar. So my hope is is, is really that uh, that that the drinkers, you know, that we the drinkers, um, you know, can branch out of what we see as as the beer norms these days, and um, you know, go back to some some more traditional methods of drinking. I like it. It sounds like uh, kind of what we just talked about is like, you know, all the, yeah. new, all the new stuff is fun, but don't forget what brought you here and what you enjoyed for decades. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to, John, I'm going to begin our kind of a wind down series of questions. But the next question I have for you is if you uh, were able to be the king of beer for an entire day, what would you change? Uh, nothing, but I'd throw a hell of a party. <laughs> Uh, what would you serve at this party? Um, <laughs> a ton of British pale ales, uh, some good foreign extra stouts, uh, and liters of Hellas. That that sounds jolly good. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if you had the opportunity to choose your very last meal and your very last beer before you depart this earth, what would they be? Oh, well. Um, so I grew up in New Jersey, and there is a uh, a place called um, uh, Town Hall Deli, and it's a true proper delicatessen, and they do a sandwich that's called a sloppy Joe. And now most people are going to hear that, and they're going to think of it's going to be a, a ground beef and tomato sauce, and you know, served on a on a on a hamburger bun. Uh, this is not that sandwich. This is a, a a cold deli meat sandwich with two types of meat, Swiss cheese, uh, topped with coleslaw and Russian dressing, and served on very thinly sliced rye bread. And it is my favorite sandwich uh, on the planet. And so that would be uh, be my last meal, and I think I would probably pair it with either uh, a, a, a nice twenty ounce glass of either Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, or I might uh, I might go for um, a Pilsner or Kell, depending on the mood that I'm in, or uh, even a Beer Stadt out of Denver, uh, their Hellas, hmm. or maybe all three. 
Well, that, that's funny because uh, most of my guests are stumped by this question at first, and then they come up with an answer. Sounds like you've uh, considered this before. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, uh, uh, you know, death is my uh, central preoccupation. <laughs> or uh, at least avoiding it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, the way that I live, it's, it's inevitable. So. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, uh, okay, last big question before we go some easy ones. Um, okay. with, with all of your experience and, you know, obviously everything we've talked about and more, um, in, in your opinion, why does good beer matter? Um, why does good beer matter? Because it shows skill. Uh, it shows our desire to not settle for the status quo, to not settle for something that is less than, uh, to continuously... Uh, you know, seek out real flavor and beers that are made with skill uh, and knowing that where our dollars go when we, when we open up our wallets, uh, knowing that that money is going to go towards a worthy enterprise that is not only going to benefit us uh, in, in the short term, uh, but benefit uh, good people uh, in the long. Great. Great. I, I agree with all that. Okay. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, if uh, any listeners want to either connect with you or learn more um, about what you do, uh, w- where could they go to connect? Oh, sure. It's pretty easy. So I'm at johnhall.com. It's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm uh, usually at the local bar. So, uh, yeah, it's easy to find me and connect with me in, uh, in, in, in any number of ways. And uh, it's always great to hear from folks. And I always uh, try to respond to every email that I get or uh, every question that I get uh, as quickly as possible. So, um, yeah, feel free to reach out and you know, certainly go to beerandbrewing.com for the magazine. And uh, you can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine there and you know, go to Steal This Beer and Download the podcast and listen to that. Uh, you know, after they're uh, they're 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 done listening to to, to your latest episode, uh, dial ours up. Yeah, I will I'll have links to all of this stuff. Um, and lastly, do you have any final words of wisdom before we depart? Oh, you know, never miss up the opportunity to have one more beer at the hotel bar. <laughs> that is, at the, uh, I wish we had time to unpack that, but that is uh, <laughs> such wonderful, wonderful advice. Um, and, and has so many uh, connotations to that that uh, we, we may have to discuss that over a beer at some point, but that, that is brilliant. Wonderful. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Hey, John Hall, thank you so much for being a part of the Good Beer Matters podcast, and uh, we appreciate it very much. Um, we, we look forward to talking to you again. It was, a, it was a real pleasure being on with you. Thanks for, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. Likewise. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Cheers. In his book, Drink Beer, Think Beer, John Hall not only provides an insider's view into the beer industry, but opens up a window to the world and to ourselves. I urge every professional and every enthusiast to read it and explore what beer can teach us. Join us in the next episode where we visit with the man who pioneered the craft beer movement with a pale ale that inspired generations. Good Beer Matters is a show about great beer, great friends, and the experiences we create together. But it's also about better appreciation of the beer you enjoy. I believe better education leads to better enjoyment. So if you're a beer and food professional or even a beer enthusiast, then please subscribe to Good Beer Matters and visit me at goodbeermatters.net. After that, grab a beer, hang out with friends, and let the world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers.